Yeah, sorry. I just wanted it out of my head so we can podcast. All right, well, let's. Unencumbered. This is now the introduction. Perfect. Look, you did, you you initiated maybe your first cold open. Whoa. I didn't even know it. And it was all about shopping, which somehow does not surprise me. That makes sense. Makes Makes total sense. Well, you might as well take it away. Okay. Welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast with me, Samantha, and him, who is currently chugging milk tea, Indy. I'm not chugging it. Oh, sorry. You were milking it for every drop. I was (laughs) sipping it, but it was the end of the bottle, so I had to, uh, like, you know, you turn it upside down. Okay, yeah. It just looked very dramatic. Some delicious Kieran milk tea, which is in my top three favorite milk teas whoa whoa milk tea it's it's great i think kieran's my favorite but i don't have a good enough like sample pool to pull from well when we go to japan we're gonna gonna have so much milk tea tea it up taiwan is also a good milk tea country i've heard in tokyo there's like ramen vending machines oh sure yeah Um, you can get anything in a vending machine i heard you can get bread yeah canned bread you can get fruit cups but not like our kind of fruit cup fresh fruit oh and like desserts with oh, cream and fancy. stuff okay when we go to tokyo eventually i want to have an entire day where we eat only out of vending machines you're not gonna want to no then you're still missing out on all the other japanese food yeah true okay maybe like if you include there's some restaurants where you go and you essentially order on a vending machine and they look some of them look like late 80s vending machines or earlier even and there's like these big push button ones. You put in your coins and like a piece of paper comes out. And then that's, you've ordered. And then you take that to the chef and then they make it for you. Oh, that's neat. Okay. Yeah. I, I so if we that can have that kind, yeah. then yeah, yeah. Okay, great. There's some good noodle places like that. Oh, I just want noodles now. I went to a good soba place and I walked up and no one would talk to me. I sat down at this like bar and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. So I just looked around and then I saw this machine in the corner and it was, was... looked old timey because mm-hmm. it was like wood paneled and had big push and pull levers on it and i successfully ordered my soba that way that's amazing it was pretty sweet uh did we talk about what show this is (laughs) i already introduced the show i forgot to introduce the network so we are proud members of the alberta podcast network which is locally grown and community supported Before we get into everything, let's thank our first sponsor of the episode, and that is the Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you can be calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more about Alberta Blue Cross and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. All right, well, today we are each going to have a little spoiler-free thing of the week, and then Sam will tell us what we are going to watch for the big watch next week. But until we do that, Samantha, what's your thing of the week? My thing of the week is a book. Just getting back to basics here, because, you know, we haven't done a book in a while. A week ago, didn't we? Maybe. Okay. We're getting back to basics with the same thing I always do. And it's a book. Uh, So this book is called It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. It was published in 2016. And the reason I'm doing it now is because it's kind of become re-popular. 
Like it's all of a sudden it's like blown up. And I think I saw it on my Instagram stories six times in the last two weeks. Oh, it's like high-waisted acid wash jeans. I thought I was free of we them. We thought we were done with it. And here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, of course, I had to read it. And the library, which recognizes like things that are popular, had a seven-day rental on this book. So I read it. And it was way more complex and way better than I thought it was going to be. So what's it about? Um, So it explores kind of the relationship between abusive parents, parents who are kind of abusive to each other, and then the children who have to live in those situations, and then when the children grow up, kind of what happens to them. Mm -hmm. And um, it features... A couple, and it includes um, some domestic violence, so it might be a little hard for people to listen to. Um, but it or is... read. Some people use their eyes. Yes, right. <laughs> or read. Um, but it was written to advocate for domestic violence victims, and so Colleen Hoover is a social worker or a former social worker. I think she's a full time author now, mm-hmm. and uh, she wrote it. And in it, she described the relationship between her mother and father. Okay, so it's like semi-autobiographical? Semi. There was some stuff. There's a really great chapter at the end written by Hoover and voiced by Hoover who, uh, where she kind of goes over what was real and what wasn't to kind of clear the air. And her father has passed on um, and her mother gave her like permission to kind of use their story as a kind of building block for this novel. So this novel has... Lily, um, and Lily is the child of the abusive kind of family, and um, it goes from her growing up all the way to starting her own business, so you kind of get a big span of her life um, and some people she meets and how she kind of ends up being like her parents, even though she does absolutely everything in her life she can, including moving far, far away from them to not become them. Interesting. It's like that kind of cycles of violence. Or yeah, it really, it just, it Very shiny, that. perhaps? Yeah. Would you say this is a good companion piece to The Shining? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is it about this one that when you said it was way better than you expected, what was it that, that, uh, kind of spoke to you um so i kind of thought that this was going to be like a summer beach read kind of thing you do love your beach reads so i was expecting kind of a like soapy love story kind of thing and like the cover looks like a lot of those books that are like you know classic beach read and so this had so many layers to it, and it really kind of covered a lot of really interesting facets of domestic abuse and how survivors uh, can kind of have to come up against some really, really hard decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to give anything away because it is kind of twisty and turny uh, towards the end, but uh, Lily definitely goes on this journey, and you learn a lot about her backstory as well as her um like current journey in the book and uh kind of how everybody fits into her life so if you're looking for a more complex beach read so um, it's still for the beach um i really enjoyed it it was like a nice easy 
easy to read book. It was well written. And I don't know, if you're looking for something a little heavier with a little bit more substance. Okay, so like maybe a cloudy day at the beach? Yeah, cloudy day, (laughs) maybe a little wind. Oh. (laughs) But still like nice to be on the beach. It's still a beach. No mosquitoes. (laughs) I know I often uh, throw out a lot of film terms and such. Could you define a beach read? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of like, of course, you asked me a question and like my brain is blank, even though I read 100 books a year. Um, How many of those would you say are beach reads? Probably like 75%. Okay. (laughs) They're like, feel good. They might have a little bit of emotionality in them. Is that a word? I don't think so, but okay, I, I get you what get you it. mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, it should be a word. It, it worked. Be. It feels like a word. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, they get. There's a little bit of emotion in them, um, but it's not going to like touch on any like really sore subjects or anything that's like too deep. So you can enjoy a story. Lots of times they're like love stories, so you can enjoy. Like a vacation love story. Do you feel better after than when you started? Is that kind of the... Yeah. That's what a beach read should do? Yeah, usually they're a little uplifting um, and they're kind of... Like, yeah, they leave you feeling nice. Okay. So it's not like this one maybe didn't leave me with like 100% feeling nice. I definitely was thinking about it after I finished, after I returned it to the library. But it... um, Definitely wasn't as light as I would like if I was looking for something kind of mindless. Okay. You know what I read usually. Do I read any beach reads and just don't know it? No. I don't read beach reads. No. <laughs> Maybe for a uh, upcoming episode, you could recommend me a something that you consider like a real beach read. Mm-hmm. And a good one of those. And then I can read it and see if I like beach reads. Because I... I Honestly, don't know if I uh, know a good beach read. Okay. Well, we'll have to do that. Okay. Because, yeah, I think that would be fun. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this is a really good um, book if you're looking for something a little more complex than your average beach read. And um, a sequel is coming out. It's called It Starts With Us, and it comes out in October. What was the title of the original book? It Ends With Us. Oh, that's okay. I I thought it was that. And then the sequel is It Starts With Us, and it comes out in October. So you have some reading. Is it a prequel? No. It is a sequel. Perhaps it is uh, Lily, the main character, and now she is having a family, and she's starting anew and changing that cycle. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) You're being coy. Do you actually know what it's about? I do, actually, yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to give it away because it kind of gives away the ending of the first book. Sure. So we'll just leave it at that. You can find it online if you really want to read a synopsis. But um, it's, uh, I think, going to be a really nice kind of secondary book to the original. And are you excited for that one? I am. I'm kind of sad. I kind of thought it was already out. So I'm kind of sad that it comes out in October and it's going to be a few months until I can read it. So that was It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover, which was published in 2016 and became a New York Times bestseller this January. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, do you know about book talk? Um, I think I do, but I think I might mean something different than what you mean. What do you mean? Uh, so like TikTok. Oh, talk T-O-K. Yeah. 
Vaguely. Okay, so book talk. I know a different book talk. I don't know a whole bunch about it. I kind of learned about it while I was just doing some background research on this book. But um, so book talk is a community of people who love books and love to make recommendations and reviews on books. And they do it in like three to five minute kind of reviews. Okay, so book talk, T-A-L-K, is essentially that. And for library programs, I've written quite a few book talks that then any teacher can read in their school. Because the ones I write are for children's literature, getting kids to read these books. And I write like a quick, mine are usually only like one to two minutes. And you write it, you try to give it a little hook that makes someone want to read it and give Mm -hmm. you a synopsis about what it's about without giving away too much. So it sounds like it's just that in TikTok format. Yeah, so basically if you're like, oh, I really love this series, you can find like the book talk hashtag for that series. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times you'll find a like book talker um, saying like, if you liked this series, you'll probably like this series. The reader likes. And it'll just kind of like go from there. Huh, this is is kind of my job. This is a part of my job. I didn't know it was on TikTok because I don't, you know, I'm too old for TikTok. (laughs) So yeah, so um, it's because of Book Talk that Hoover's book became a New York Times bestseller. Good for her. Yeah, which nice. I like to see because something that came out in 2016 becoming a New York Times bestseller in 2022 is kind of like unheard of. It's kind of like how Stranger Things is getting all these 80s bands like a, yeah, a whole new audience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I uh, I definitely recommend it. And you learned a whole bunch today, too. I sure did. I'm so excited for beach reads now. Next time we go to a beach, I'm going to beach it up real hard. Yeah, okay. Okay, Indy, it is your turn. What are you into this week? I'm going books, too. Woohoo! Books for everybody. But you know how I can't do a book on this? Because the way I talk about things, I don't like to give away books. Well, I guess I don't for anything. But uh, like I did with Vonnegut, I would just do a bunch and going, here's something fun about this book. Big chunk, yeah. So my thing of the week are the graphic novels of Mariko Tamaki. So Mariko Tamaki is a writer and visual artist. She's written a bunch of novels, and she's had runs with both uh, Marvel and DC and some other independent comics as well. But what I want to talk about are her few non-superhero graphic novels, because I think they are brilliant. Her works often, but not exclusively, deal with young, gay, female protagonists, but I think they're engaging for anyone who can relate to ideas of uh, not fitting in, of alienation, and she writes for kids and teenagers, mm-hmm. and I think every teenager kind of feels like that. I think every adult who like really thinks about things probably feels like that, too. Yeah. Uh, she has this ability to capture the ephemeral parts of youth that not many writers have it's like having the vocabulary and experience of an adult but talking about the things you've experienced as a child but as if you were experiencing them for the first time it is simultaneously the oddest combination of being uh worldly and distant but everything being so like fresh and brutal like it is when you are a teenager Mm -hmm. and a lot of them they're love stories and things like that and everything is so raw and you feel that like you would when you were 16 going through it Mm. but she has this uncanny ability to also filter that through her own like life experience like it feels like an older 
audience voice that is uh, that is presenting all of this, but still has the freshness of youth. <laughs> it's hard to describe, but it's quite unique, I find. It sounds like, I think I get it. It sounds like a very cool way to transport yourself to another time. I read a lot of books that are targeted at kids and teenagers, and it seems like so many of those writers just completely forgot what it was actually like, mm-hmm. and Tamaki does not. She remembers. She knows what it is like. <laughs> So the first one of hers, I think this was her first one, from 2008, there is one called Skim. And she did this with her cousin, Julian Tamaki. And it's about a teenage girl and her, I'm going to say, romantic feelings towards her female teacher. And some things kind of go on. A lot of things are left ambiguous and it's kind of creepy. But But since we are experiencing it, through the student's point of view, it's also kind of romantic. Right. Because to her, it is. But like I was saying, we also get this older view outside. And we know that that, that it's wrong mm-hmm. and it's creepy. But it has like both of those. Yeah. Because that's what Tamaki does really well is having that melodramatic youth at its core. But then also the like harshness of the the real situation. Hmm. And then, then there is also like a B story about a classmate who has committed suicide and all the things that go with that. We don't deal with that person, but the fallout around the school and how people are suddenly like, oh, yeah, that was my best friend. Or they're treating people differently or they're using this tragedy for to um, for their own gain, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a B story. And it's really minimal in a lot of ways it's not a big story not a lot happens there's not a lot of dialogue but it is just like a great little slice of life i think there's something in there that a lot of people could relate to i like the art as well i'm not sure because i don't really have a good um like art history background of any Mm -hmm. sort but it kind of reminds me of uh japanese art of the like 14th century Mm -hmm. and i think that's probably intentional i'm not sure though but that's a good one it's called skim then she did one called emiko superstar and this is about a young woman who feels trapped in her suburban life and it's at its heart just like a story about finding yourself finding your voice and um finding maybe some sort of authenticity because even with counterculture of all sorts like people who are like oh i'm punk i don't like fall into your mainstream man but they're often doing the exact same thing but being counterculture just for the sake of being counterculture like do you actually want all those things or are you just doing it because it means something i remember people like that it's kind of the same reasons as why people are very much uh, like typical in a lot of times Mm -hmm. you're trying to fit into a mold and it kind of deals with that a little bit so that's fun interesting that seems very high school. Yeah, most of her things take place in high school. Okay. Yeah, no, I just remember that where people were just being edgy to be edgy. Yeah. Not like delving deeper into what it all actually meant. Me and my friends are so different from everyone. We wear all the exact same things. Yeah. We wear the same music. And if you listen to the same music and if you do anything different, then like you're not one of us. No. So like, so you're different, but all exactly the same? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. Or like, I'm alternative because I don't wear pink flip-flops i wear black flip-flops and it's like you're not you just got a different color it also it's hard to be hardcore in flip-flops it's I'm very true it's very very true uh, then in 2014 
She again collaborated with her cousin Jillian Tamaki and did the graphic novel This One Summer, which I am now holding because this yes. is, I don't know if this is my favorite of hers, but goddamn, it's so good. You finished it. I looked at you across the couch because we were out in like uh the wilderness the wilderness a couch in the wilderness a couch in the wilderness <laughs> which if you've seen it it makes sense uh and you looked like emotional there was a lot of emotionality to yeah this, like uh, to i this you like closed it and you're just like sitting there quietly and you looked emotional so you know how you were saying uh that the beach reads leave you feeling better than you started mm-hmm. ideally I like things that often make me feel sad, but there's a beauty to it. It's like a beautiful sadness that you're like, I love that a piece of art can make me feel sad. Right. And that's something that's special and not easy to do. True. And she can do that. So uh, this one summer follows uh, a protagonist. She's quite young. I can't remember. I think it's like 12, 13, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And it is like the summer between her childhood, and her adolescence. Mm. In the summer, they go to a cabin and she has a cabin friend. They see each other every summer, but only in the summer. Right. And the friend is a couple of years younger, so is still very much a child. And the protagonist is going like, I don't know if I'm into these things anymore. And she's feeling alienated because she's she's growing up is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then she sees like the teenagers around this little town that they're in and she's trying to like kind of latch on there, but she doesn't feel on that world either. We talk a lot of, about the time between childhood and adulthood, like mm-hmm. that kind of like 17 to 20 area when people are becoming adults and eh, to some extent at least. Yeah. But we don't talk nearly as much about childhood to adolescence that right. kind of 10 to 14 or i guess we do like you and you i and do, I do oh, because yeah. i watch so many movies yeah. that are in there. all those <laughs> japanese movies i love so much are are in there so it deals with that and it's just so pitch perfect for that time in your life mm-hmm. and like i said with having the vocabulary to describe things and i don't mean that in a literal like words but When you are 11, you can't articulate what you're feeling. No. And she is doing it so well. I think she wrote this when she was like 40 years old. But she articulates that experience so perfectly that it kind of, it throws you back into Mm -hmm. that time. It's also kind of depression adjacent. There's a character who's going through a lot and it's, it's hard. It is rough what's happening kind of in the background of this one, but brilliantly done. There was this one other little kind of touchstone about misogyny, about how this girl kind of internalizes things that she's heard and then starts replicating that. And you just see how even well-meaning people can fall into these traps when something becomes normalized. They take that on themselves and how those cycles of like misogyny or violence or anything like that, Mm -hmm. how those kind of perpetuate. And that being said, it's just... A story about two girls one summer, but it has like all of that in it. It's uh, maybe my favorite of her work. It was very good. And then the last one I'll talk about, I think I've actually talked about on this podcast in passing before, mm-hmm. and which I also have in my hand now, and that is Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. Was this a YRCA last year? Yes. Okay, so it that's came why out, I remember it. Yeah. I r- talked about it on the YRCA roundup I did. Yes. Not the most recent one, but the one the year before. So it came out in 2019, and she's working with a different artist here. On its surface, it is a queer coming-of-age story, like many of her books are. 
but it is so world weary but also still so fresh and naive <laughs> because this character is in a, a toxic relationship with mm-hmm. this girl and it does something that i don't see a lot we often see a um like beautiful woman as being portrayed as like like mysterious, mm-hmm. enigmatic, and but having some charisma. Everyone wants to be near her. Right. And that's a thing we see a lot. The cool girl, yeah. Yeah. But in this one, we see how that person is using all of that to her advantage and to manipulate people. It's kind of uh, ripping that gloss of like, oh, that they're mysterious. Yeah. Sometimes they're just an aloof asshole. Yeah. That's the reality. So that's what I mean that she combines those naive feelings of like, Oh, this person's so mysterious. I want to be near yeah. them. And I want to be next to them. I want to be seen by them. Yeah, soak in their coolness. And it breaks that down to show you how, like, that's not a positive character trait. Mm-hmm. If you feel graced just because someone bestows their attention on you, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, there's a lot of uh, dark side to that. And it, it deals with that. It also has... A really like dynamic cast of LGBT characters who have they're like diverse in all sorts of different ways because we often see like if you have a gay character in a book, mm-hmm. like they're the one, that's what gay is. Yeah. And this is not that. There's a, a good spectrum in it. So there's a great representation mm-hmm. in all of her books and uh just a great dichotomy of looking at something with very fresh feelings but still old eyes. If that makes sense. That's a really interesting balance of things. Yeah, I read so many novels for kids and teenagers, and those often rely on that whole, the world is against me, because it kind of feels like that when you're a teenager. But most adult authors will say like, yeah, the world is against them. The teacher is so mean. They're, the bully is so bad. But in reality, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So this plays with that whole world is against you thing, but shows kind of the selfishness of that. The world's not actually against you. The sad, lonely truth that a lot of the characters realize is like, you know what? Most people just don't even think about you. True. And Yeah, the world doesn't care about you. Is that better or worse? I don't know. It seems sadder. And a lot of these characters feel that. But then that is often contrasted with, how important and exhilarating it can be to be that age and then find your place, Mm -hmm. find your niche, find your people. And it's, yeah, just a good play of all of those things. So if you are, first, if you're like a a queer teenage girl, read all of her stuff, you're going (laughs) to love it. Sounds like the right audience. Yeah, but also if you just love the, uh, the humanity of these types of stories if you want to, if you're older and want to remember what it was like or what people might be going through today, I think uh, check out pretty much everything she's done. I'm going to go read her novels now, I think, because I love <laughs> all of these so much. Yeah. But, or maybe I'll go read that run she did on X-23, mm. which is like the female Wolverine. Oh. And then she did She-Hulk. She does a lot of female characters because that's kind of... Her thing, but she also did like a bunch of venom and stuff like that. So she's all over the place. So go check out the works of Mariko Tamaki. My two favorites personally are This One Summer and Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. Ah, perfect. Okay, it's time for our second sponsor of the episode. 
And that is the Edmonton Community Foundation and their podcast, The Well-Endowed Podcast, which is hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and this podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. If you want to listen or just find out more about the podcast, you can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com, or you can listen to them wherever you are listening to us right now. Okay, Samantha, we're ready for it. What are we going to be watching for our big watch next week? Okay, so you know how like everything from the late 90s and early 2000s is back now? Is it? Yeah. No, I did not know that, actually. The fashion, the, like... See, I see things further back than that. Oh. I see, like, all of, um, like, every woman in her 20s is dressed like my kindergarten teacher from, like, the early 90s. Oh, yeah. No, now it's, like, low-rise jeans. Wait, that's back? Yeah, and those, The jeans I see are so high. Because the older generation is still holding on to the high-rise jeans. Okay. Which I will die with. <laughs> <laughs> so who's, I'm never going who's back. wearing low-rise jeans now? The the youngins. Like how young is youngin? Like, because we're old now, remember? The like f- probably 15 to 25-year-olds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. We are old now. Uh, so a full decade younger than us. And sure. then a decade younger than that. <laughs> so like. So two decades is what so you're saying? So two decades <laughs> younger than us. God. <laughs> You're so old. So low-rise jeans. Do you remember those like baby doll t-shirts that were like cropped and they had like glittery letters on them? So much. I I bought one of those for my high school girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And like the like lettuce trim on the sleeves and on the bottom. Yeah. Oh man, you're taking me back. And like those flip-flops. They weren't flip-flops. They were, like, slides. Um, But they were, like, a platform. Yep. And they had the black elastic on top. And they went, thwack, 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 as you walk. Mm-hmm. Those are now $90. What? Yeah. I remember getting them at Aldo for, like, 20 so Is your thing old shoes? No. My thing <laughs> is the... I hope it's old shoes. Because I have a lot to say about old shoes, actually. I know you do. You still have some of your old I shoes. I still... Well, now that we're talking about this, I work with kids a lot. Uh-huh. And they'll be talking about basketball shoes and um, like how they're trying to get all these replicas mm-hmm. and they're lining up for them. And I'll just be like, oh, I have those. And like, what do you mean you have them? You already got them? They don't come out yet. And I was like, no, I have the originals. Yeah. And they're like, what? Those cost thousands of dollars. How'd you get them? I was like... I wore them to play basketball you got them as a in child. The 90s, yeah. yeah. I wish I didn't wear them because I could sell them all and retire. Yes. But I uh I know the sneaker the sneaker game, is that what it is? Sure, yeah. <laughs> That's how you make all your money now. Yeah, on the sneaker game. I remember um I used to manage a store on White Avenue. So if you're not from Edmonton, White Avenue is like the trendy kind of shopping and drinking street. It was. And so the store next door was um Foosh. Did you do you know Foosh? No. Okay, so they sold sneakers and like cool clothes basically oh i love cool clothes yeah so sneakers and um every saturday morning there would be a lineup of probably 25 to 30 people waiting to do a lottery to be able to buy a pair 
of whatever shoe was being released. Gotcha. So I'd show up to work on Saturday morning at like eight o'clock and there would be a huge lineup down the block of people who were just like waiting out in minus 20 temperatures to buy whatever $1,700 pair of shoes they could get their hands on. Yeah. So I think that's crazy, but some people apparently have made a lot of money doing that. So the thing of the week is shoes. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're going back to the late 90s? To the early 2000s. Okay. Uh, and we are going to be watching the 2002 hit movie, Crossroads. The Britney Spears movie. Yes, because I'm pretty sure I watched it because this like, Britney Spears was prime Samantha, like, young girl music. And so we are going to be watching this. I do not remember a second of this movie. Okay. So we're doing Crossroads. We're doing Crossroads. I don't want this to take anything away because <laughs> the premise is you bring me something that you love that yeah. I haven't seen. I've actually seen Crossroads. Okay. I figured you had. But I am so down to watch this movie. Okay. Um, so it has Zoe Saldana in it mm. and Taryn Manning from Orange is the New Black. She plays... Pensatucky and uh Britney Spears of course this is course. golden era Britney Spears and uh I am really excited to uh, delve back into this time and to see all the fashion that I'm currently seeing on people uh, oh man these pants are gonna be so low who were not alive when this movie came out oh yeah there's gonna be a lot of hip bones a lot of hip bones a lot of navels really I'm just continuing the step up like yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> as much torso as we can get in a movie so do you remember when you first saw this movie i didn't see it then mm -hmm. i so i don't want this to color things for what you think i'm going to say next week or for our listeners who are deciding whether or not to watch it <laughs> I watched it on the premise of this is a terrible movie and it's worth watching for how bad it is. Okay. But what I do want to say for people who are like, I don't want to watch some Britney Spears movie. If you are first, if you're like, I want to watch a Britney Spears movie, absolutely. Go watch it. You'll have a great time. <laughs> but if you're saying like, I don't want to watch that, I think you kind of do. Yeah. I think you should watch it because I think I'm going to have a lot of thoughts. I don't remember much about it. I don't remember a second of this movie. I remember like two things specifically. And I was like, holy fuck, did that just happen in a Britney Spears movie? <laughs> but we're not going to get into it. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah me too. I am very, very excited. Um, and yeah, I think I want to hear what you have to say about it. Because we've had a few conversations where you've mentioned Crossroads. And he's bringing it up all the time. Yeah, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't remember it. And I feel like this is a pivotal movie of my youth that I need to like revisit. Another thing I know is that the director of this also directed uh, Half-Baked Half and Billy Madison. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Is that good or bad? That's for you to decide. Okay. It's bizarre that the woman who directed, uh, Tamara Davis is her name, mm -hmm. directed Half-Baked Billy Madison and Crossroads. Is That it's all the same person. That's that's kind of, uh, that's wild. Do you have any, like, guesses on how we're going to feel after we watch it? I, my only thing is, I think next episode's going to be a good episode. Okay, great. That's what I have to say. I, and CB4, she did CB4. What's CB4? CB4? Cell, cell Block 4? No, I don't know it. Oh, man. We should watch CB4. <laughs>
Okay, so I think as our final thing for the episode, I don't often bring trailers, but I literally cannot remember this movie at all. So I'm hoping this might like spark some memories for me. We're just going to watch a quick trailer. Lucy. Baby, we're going to be late. Just iron it for you. Kent. Excuse me. Dad, customer! And Mimi. Let's do this thing. They're the best of friends. Growing up. Why are you stopping? Henry, this isn't how I hoped it would be. It's weird because this is exactly how I hoped it would be. And on the road. Roman Dad, let's go already! Who's the guy? That's Ben. He's really cool. Towards everything life has to offer. And anything that can happen along the way. We're sorry. I'm a guy, and that's my car. It's the one thing that hasn't been taken over by checks. Okay. What we have is now, and right now, we have each other. Let's go, girls. Crossroads. I feel like I could talk at least an hour about that trailer. Uh, me too. I have some thoughts. So first off, MTV movies, which didn't last long. No. Uh, you start off with Britney Spears jumping on a bed in her underwear right yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Wild. There's so many things about this movie. She's wearing like a bucket hat. Yeah. When well, that's she, back we now. meet the love interest. Yeah. Everybody has bucket hats. I refuse a I refuse to bucket hat again. Well, you at best look like Blossom, but I think you people usually look like a five-year-old. Yeah, or some sort of backwater fisherman man. Fisherman man. (laughs) (laughs) Fisherman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And that... Clinique compact. I don't know if you saw it. It was like green, and Zoe Saldana is looking into it while she's saying, We don't have the money to fix the car. Mm. Everybody had one of those. And the song that I quote most often, Not, not a, a Girl, yes! Not Yet with a Woman, was believe. written for this and really ties back into all those books that I, I was, was going to say. About. I cannot believe when we are talking about Mariko Tamaki, we didn't make a Not a Girl, Not, not yet, yet a Woman, a woman. reference. Yeah. I and feel that was like we for this out. movie, I think, yes. right? Yeah. Um, so I am very excited to see this. I am pretty sure I did not see it. What? Really? I don't I don't remember any of that. Okay. Kim Cattrall's her mom? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Spoilers. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a it's a reveal. It was in the trailer. It was also... in the trailer. Sorry. I thought everything in the trailer was free. Yeah, that's it should be. But they shouldn't have put that in the trailer. Okay. That trailer looks like what I wanted sisterhood of the traveling pants to be Mm -hmm. but again i saw it once many many years ago i don't think that trailer is what this movie is what oh no now i'm very sad (laughs) but we'll see we'll see that looks like good time romp it does i don't remember it being a good time romp it's like girl gang gal pal fun time yeah which is a better title also girl game (laughs) fun pal gal time what was it (laughs) Girl gang. I don't remember. Fun time gal pals. Fun time gal pals. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, now I need to A tattoo that says that. <laughs> yes, I do. That too. And it has to be like really low on my hip bone. Yeah. 
Cause but it still shows off in your low-rise Britney Spears jeans. Right next to the place where I put the Playboy bunny sticker when I go to the tanning bed. Yes. <laughs> Easy, Christina. <laughs> it was just such a thing back yeah. then. I remember all the girls who went to tanning did that. I tried tanning once. It was too hot. Mm. I didn't like it. Yeah. It's like all the sun in a full day in eight minutes i think that's how they sell it actually that's (laughs) that's what the sign says apparently i wasn't the target audience so okay are you excited to watch this movie i really am me too let's go watch it okay we'll see you next week when we talk about crossroads from 2002 starring britney spears zoe saldana and taryn manning three girls and apparently some guys journey to uh sell their souls to the devil to gain musical abilities Oh, okay. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Did you have more to say? Oh, I have so much more to say. (laughs) You have to save it for next week.